Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, bienvenue and welcome in to the new season of Scottish Football on the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Gary Cocker. And boy, what a first opening weekend we had of the football season this time around. I am joined by two good men, I think, to discuss everything that happened this uh, weekend. It's only week one, but I'm joined by Craig Fowler. Hello, Gary. And there's 37 weeks to go. I don't see why everyone's so worried. It's you and Taylor. Hello, Gary. Hello, Craig. Oh, don't worry, Ewan. We'll get to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Save your uh, save your ennui for later on. But yes, we will be going through the six games that happened in this week's Cinch Premiership. Um, we will be dotting all over the country to bring you the latest. And unfortunately, there's a nil-nil. But as usual, we'll leave it to the end because we start at the probably the the most quintessential Cinch match of the weekend, um, obviously. Uh, and it's a quintessential Terrace favourite because can we say that Hibsit has returned? Craig Fowler, you tell me. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, excellent. Uh, okay then. The Hibsit at Easter Road. It started. It started already before this uh, weekend. Hibsit came back when they were beating off Inter the the club Escaldes. 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 You both said completely different things there. <laughs> but yeah, when they were when they were pumped in Europe off of that pitch, that was uh, Hibsing well and truly back for the new season. Yes, and they continued in fine form Easter Rose uh, facing off against Stephen Robinson St Mirren where after St Mirren race into a fairly early two-goal lead Hibs did bring it back to 2-all only to, well, we've already covered it Hibs it uh, and lose 3-2 with a very late goal from Alex Greaves to send the three points home to Paisley Craig, I believe that you were watching the game um, 
I don't know where to start with this, really. Um, shall we start with the main man himself, Lee Johnson, making two substitutions on the half-hour mark? Um, let's be in kindness of Mern first, and let's start with the positives. Mm. I thought that, that the Mern were, were very good in, in this game, it has to be said, especially for the first half, and even the first... I would say maybe 60 minutes before Hibbs started to really get any sort of grips to the game. It was only really... LaFronda scored in 72 minutes. And I think it was only the 10 minutes before then where you started to think, OK, this game might not be done. Hibbs might still have a, a chance here because they were starting to get a bit more territory in St Mirren's half, get a bit more kind of opportunities around the penalty area. And you thought, yeah, especially with somebody like Johan, who d- didn't really do an awful lot. I know he got an assist, but he didn't do an awful lot in this game. But with somebody like him... You've always got the kind of opportunity to get back in it from nowhere. But for the previous 60 minutes, Simon absolutely dominated Hibs. And I was quite intrigued by the, their setup for this game. I'm looking at it on, on Google now. They've got it as a, a 5 4 1 formation. I would say for the most part, it kind of operated mostly as a 5 2 3. So what happened there was that the wingbacks, Ryan Strain and Scott Tanzer, were quite deep. And we know that Simon, especially Strain, likes to get forward an awful lot in an attack most of the time. But for this match, Robinson had it, so they were basically set out in the back five. And it was Bacchus and O'Hara in the centre. But you also had Greg Kilty on one side and Summersign and Conor McMenamin on the other. And when Simon had the ball, they were just flanking uh, Ula Sani, who started the match after uh, Michael Mandron was uh, pulled up at the very last second, apparently. he was It was literally like the final kind of run they were doing uh, before they get ready to kind of go back inside. And he suddenly felt something, and he's, I can't remember exactly where about it was, but he kind of felt something that he was about in a bit of discomfort, so they decided not to risk him. Went with Oyusani, who's, oh, sorry, Oyusanya, who's a fan's, don't particularly rate uh, after um, he kind of came in last season and also spent some time alone at Arbroath, but I thought he had a pretty decent game. And the two, like, I so oh, sorry, I was talking about the formation. I've gone down a, a different road here, but Kilty and, and McMenamin were either side of him. And basically, whenever St. Mirren didn't have the ball, they dropped back. And it gave St. Mirren a real platform in the middle of the park, and not just of their own making, but also of Hibs's as well because Hibs went a midfield three of Josh Campbell, Joe Newell, Jake Doyle-Hayes. Hibs have done this since Jack Ross was manager. Uh, Sean Maloney done it a few times. Lee Johnson has done it a few times. It never, or, or at least it very, very rarely works. The three don't complement each other very well. As a result of the Newell-Doyle-Hayes kind of partnership and the, the kind of double pivot, they are quite easy to play through. Neither of them are particularly great defensive players. Neither of them are particularly robust players and it was just a case of either if St Mirren weren't bullying them and getting to second balls and really kind of being hungry and snapping up those second balls they were also just shoving them off the ball as well and that was without like a destroyer like Alex Gogic in the centre because he was playing at centre half but there's a number of good performances Kilty a player I've always quite liked but I think it's fair to say that his time at St Mirren he's not really done too much but he, he had a good showing and the defence was pretty solid for the most part Hibs scored with you know, two of them didn't have many other chances other than the goals they did score. And O'Hara, the, the midfield was basically excellent because it, it dominated so much of the game and that's why some men were on top. And now I'd like to go back to talking about Ognitania, <laughs> who they talked about after the game that he went away, so he was on loan at Arbroath and he came back this summer and Robinson says, like, he, he kind of basically, he came back towards the end of last season, so there was still... 
because obviously the championship season finishes early. So they came back for the final three weeks and Robinson basically set on a, 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 basically a goal that like you need to prove to us that you're you're worth keeping around kind of thing. And I don't, I don't want to go because it's quotes that are going to appear in uh, papers on, on Tuesday, but he basically, the, the player himself came in afterwards and kind of basically said that Robinson's given him instructions on, on just basically how to, to strip back his game and, and to make things easier for him so then he can kind of build up for there. And it was certainly a... I thought he did the second half. You could start to see he was struggling a little bit, but the first half, his, his pace was a big problem for him. So you, you saw the the second goal. And um, just just before we get on to Hibbs, uh, I did see that Stephen Robson said after the game that he's asked the board for another striker, um, which I think some people lazily looking at the the scoreline would say you scored three goals, mate. I, I, I don't see what your problem is here. Mm. Um, but obviously, if, if Mandron's injury lasts for any length of time, um, then. Yes, they will need to bring someone else in, but do you think that that's probably the the main area that Samaritan would need strengthening? Looking ahead, I mean, obviously they've beaten Hibs, so it's not necessarily the case they need to strengthen. But if you were given a blank check, Craig, uh, would up top be the place that you would be focusing for Samaritan? Well, that's a, that's a tricky question because yes and no because the, the forward players have got four really. We don't mm-hmm. know how good. Natch Manny is, and the fact he didn't come off the bench at all in this one, it was Alex Grieve instead, would suggest he's not necessarily an upgrade on what they've already got. Alex Grieve is fine, but not a particularly great player. Oyesanya is maybe improving, but he's still got a long way to go, and I didn't particularly rate Madron at Motherwell. So, yeah, I think they could and maybe should get better at centre forward. However, I did think as the game was starting to get away from them and Hibs were doing a bit better, that they could have done with Alex Goggage maybe being in the centre of the park as opposed to the back three. And he's playing in the centre of the back three because Declan Gallagher went off to Dundee United and Joe Shaughnessy left as well because Shaughnessy wasn't happy with how Robinson not treated him in, in terms of a personal way, but treated him in terms of how he's used in the squad last season. If he felt like as captain, he should have been playing a lot more and Robinson basically tried to get rid of him last summer and failed to do so and he, he, Shaughnessy would come in and play well, but never really get the proper run in the team, so he left. So left with Gogic in the centre of the back three, which never, I don't think, is his best position. Mm-hmm. And he can do a decent job there, and I think he was decent against Hibs. But there will, there will be times when they really miss him in the, in the centre of the park. And so for me, it's a, another big centre-half in the centre to head things away that I think Simon could really be doing with at this moment in time. They've got a younger to come back as well. I don't know how close he is to fitness. Ah, of course, uh, yeah. Aye, that's... That's loads of strikers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did a quick count. I think they have technically have seven on the books, but obviously they're not all out and out. You know, yeah. they're not all out and out number nines. It's you know, um, you know, it's, it's a mix of different uh, strengths and qualities there. So, mm-hmm. um, but obviously all of those strengths and qualities came together to secure them the three points. But um, it wouldn't be the Hearts Football Podcast without discussing Hibs uh, failing. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know where to begin with this. I mean, it's a uh, you know, a, a packed Easter Rose uh, on a Sunday, Sunday because they're still in Europe, just about. Um, and within half an hour, they're 2-0 down and Lee Johnson is hauling off uh, Josh Campbell to stick on Dylan Levitt. It's, it, it seems as if... And that didn't, that, that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't solve any problem. That was no. the thing, when they made that change, mm-hmm. it was like, this doesn't solve any issue for Hibs, because Hibs' biggest issue is they're getting absolutely bullied in the centre of the park, and removing Josh Campbell yeah. from Dylan Levitt doesn't stop you from getting bullied anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. And you've got James Jago on the bench who, you know, uh, maybe isn't a footballer, but 
he does, you know, it's probably the guy you'd bring on if you want to stop getting bullied, I would have said. Yes, Hibs so. fans really don't like Jimmy Jiggle. I, I've, I've barely ever heard such a, such a muted response for a substitute than when Jiggle <laughs> came on the day. Like, he actually got like less of a cheer than Jake Dill, Dill Hayes did for his part, and he wasn't very good. Mm. Hibs fans don't rate him at all. He's not a footballer, and Hibs fans always have a problem with guys who are there to... You know, being a, do an effective role, but not mm. necessarily one that's easy on the eye. And but I just think that Jago, yeah, he's technically really limited, and his passing isn't good at all. So for a midfielder, that's far from ideal. However, I do think that Hibbs generally just play better when he's in the team. And mm. the function more as a side, he gives them more of a platform and allows them not to get bullied in the centre area because he, he works. He's not the biggest of guys, but he works really hard and he, he throw himself in front of everything. And you always chase, you always Harry, he never gives up. And they're just soft as shite without that. And really, Hibbs, Hibbs second half fight back wasn't because Levitt came on and started play. He did actually start to play well towards the end of the game. That was getting forward and getting on the end of things. It was the fact that Hibbs just started to go long. They basically so they moved in the first half. They moved into a three-five-two, and it was a pretty standard three-five-two. So Martin Boyle was like really quite deep. Second half, they just pushed them up. So it was Boyle on one side and. It was Jordan Obita who came on as well. He was on the left, and then Boyle went off, Johan went to the right, and Lafondra came on. And they were just like flinging balls up towards Christian Doidge and going for there. And I'd say, if you're looking at Hibs and you're wanting to a positive for this game, Christian Doidge, I thought, in the second half was excellent. And, and, and probably one of their better players across the entire game. Certainly the man of the match, but even in the first half, maybe one of their, their better players as well. And that's quite heartening, because you want to see Christian Doidge, if... If it's probably a bit too much to ask to see him return to the form that he showed in his first campaign and how well he'd started off the, the following season before he got the injury that basically completely changed the trajectory of his career, then at least something back to approaching that, especially when it doesn't seem like Johnson's got much faith that he's going to do that because he's already brought in another forward. Christian Dodge was certainly not the problem today. They wouldn't have got back in the game if it wasn't for him. And LaFondra was good as well when he came on because he just ran and ran. There was a, there was a chance that Hibbs had where he he basically made it by getting a manager to retrieve the ball when mm. it just looked like a lost cause. It just looked like it was going to roll out for a goal kick and he just sprinted across for the other side, managed to keep it in and Hibbs got an opportunity for that. Yeah. So the, there were positives there for Hibbs, but it's just, they're still, Hibbs need to sign Marvin Bartley in his prime again. They've needed that player for fucking years and I still don't know why they don't want to go out and get one. So with the side Dylan Levitt, we had this kind of debate in the chat about it. Yes, Dylan Levitt is a good player. But Dylan Levitt can't tackle. He's not a good defender. So he doesn't actually... Does he improve mm. the Hibs team? Because him and Joe Newell on the side together, again, it kind of feels like an overlapping of talents. Yeah. And they just they just don't have a balance. They had the balance in midfield very briefly, I think, for last season when they had Jago, um, CG, Egan Riley, and Campbell. I mean, it wasn't the most technical in terms of passing, so that was maybe one aspect they were missing. But you had a lot of industry throughout them. You had guys in CJ Regan Riley who was really composed in the ball. You had Campbell who could score goals, and you had Jago being the spoiler. They just can't really seem to find a formula in the centre that works for them and that they're happy with for any length of time. And it doesn't seem to matter who the manager is. Hmm. Speaking of it not mattering who the manager is... <clears throat> and- Totally different way. Uh, let's move to our next game, uh, which took place at Rugby Park. Kilmarnock versus Rangers. Michael Beale uh, looking to get things off to a, a stunning start with his all-new uh, front line. It finished 1-0 Kilmarnock uh, and Ewan Taylor. Uh, the main thing is you've got 37 more weeks of this to look we do. forward to. Um, we do. Uh, what were your overall impressions uh, looking at the um, 
the the new look Michael Beale side that has been shaped? Uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, I was expecting it to. Uh, so Craig and I um, recorded a podcast on Friday, uh, and uh, you know there was our, our what to watch feature on, on Patreon, and uh, you know, we would pick out games of the, of the week to watch. And, and I'd, I'd mentioned the the Commander Rangers game, and I did say that I thought it would be tight, and I didn't think Rangers would play well, and I sort of hoped that we'd sort of scrape through, uh, and uh, we we did not. Um, I mean, it was very disjointed. I mean, I expect this to be bad, not as bad as that, I have to say. But it was it was probably more the... Uh, I mean, I think the team selection was obviously wrong. Um, and the you know, why John Lundstrom was playing instead of Todd Cantwell was uh, quite baffling, given the way that the game was always going to pan out. I mean, I don't... It, it's odd to pick a team for... Uh, it was it was like he sort of picked a team that was was there to like battle, but that's not actually what a game against the Derek McInnes team at Rugby Park is going to be like. It's not a battle. It is I mean it's a battle. You know, once you get into the Kilmarnock sort of penalty area, but other than that, they're, they're not actually. I mean they're not going to press. They're not. There was no balls to to win. It was it was just you know it really it was ninety minutes of trying to. Um, cut through a, a, a deep block which John Lundstrom obviously cannot do uh, so why, why he was playing I, I, I don't get and it wasn't that he was a, you know, horrendous he was just himself which is the problem um, same with uh, Borna Barisic will be at the, possibly less options there with, with um, Yilmaz being injured but, but yeah it was just it was it was very very pedestrian uh, there's guys playing that, I mean Dessers you know, he, had, he had a bit of a shocker but he's not fit so uh, it seemed to me that he was playing to sort of get fit, whereas we could have played Danilo, who has been playing all finers preseason games and, and seems quite quite sharp. Not that he did much when he came on either, but yeah, I would have probably preferred to, to start him. Um, so yeah, it was it was all a bit confused. It didn't look like many of the players knew what they were meant to be doing, which is a bit of a concern. Um, but I I do think it is going to be a bit like this for at least a month. So it's probably the time to play Rangers is right now, and it was just a nightmare of a fixture to have as an open day. Who's, I mean, who's got coming up? Let me just have a look. Livingston Paul, at home, thankfully. <laughs> but uh, Paul anyway, checking, the but yeah. Paul Craig's checking the rest of uh, the the teams that you have coming up. It, it did, uh, you've got a waiter, waiter, home and Morton in the cup, or a waiter off county. Uh, you're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah, well, yeah. We came up against. Uh, I thought uh, Gary, you done that link in terms of it doesn't matter who the manager is. I thought you were going to talk about uh, the, the mighty JTs. Um, so it's lucky you're not coming up against the proper manager. Oh, of team. course, no, yeah. we're not playing against them. We're not playing against them. But, but that I mean, was going to be the link after next. But yeah. yes, <laughs> but uh, but now were. I mean, yeah, they obviously deserve credit, and that they were very organised defensively. Perform all, all all three centre backs. I thought individually played very well. Um, I thought Dees was probably the the pick of them, but Mayo played very well. Um, to the extent where I was thinking, why did we sell Lewis Mayo to not not why did we sell Lewis Rangers sell Lewis Mayo because you know he's not going to play for Rangers, but why why uh, why not just hold him back until we've already played Kilmarnock and then sell him to Kilmarnock? Um, such was his performance. He was, he was very good, and uh, and they, yeah, they were very organised and worked. I mean, Armstrong and, and Watkins um, and and uh, Kendi maybe to a slightly lesser extent worked extremely hard 
um, back the way, and uh, and you know that was they sort of I mean they, they sort of won the game by accident. I don't think that it was almost like they weren't really trying to, but the uh, <laughs> the uh, John Sutter intervened, um, and uh, you know uh, Lines you know takes the chance well, but you know it was uh, they, they actually looked more like scoring after they scored. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't. I think, I think you, you uh, very. This is a uh, dripping it old from bitterness. There, ah. <laughs> well, if they just came out and played, Craig. If they wanted to play football, <laughs> then we would beat them. No, I, 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 think, I, I think for a team for a team going against one ah. and a half of the old form, this wasn't this wasn't necessarily. The, you make it sound, I think, a lot more negative than Kelly Well. I think they kind of they were quite aggressive in this game, and they did try to have a go when the opportunities arose. It's just that those opportunities don't arrive very often when you're when you're playing against yeah, Rangers or Celtic. Yeah, a, a wee bit. I, I didn't think the. I mean, they did they, they counterattacked slightly. I thought they, they looked more effective on the counterattack after uh, they scored. I thought, and they probably could have. They, they actually looked more likely to score at that point than the Rangers did after the after the, the goal went in. Um, I just think before that they didn't really carry any threat apart from its set pieces, which is fair enough. And, and you know, and, and one of those. Um, one of those worked out, but yeah, it was they certainly it was a very deep block, which is and it worked so uh, absolutely fair play. But uh, yeah, I didn't think the I mean the, I, I don't know if it was Vassell's slightly injured. I think um, yes, that's yes. why he didn't start. Um, so they, you know that was another re- and they obviously I think they're they're still keen to bring in a striker, so they probably didn't have much option other than to play. Uh, you know, obviously Watkins was sort of the it was Watkins and Kennedy were were. Um, more or less the the strikers, but I, I felt they were almost more playing like attacking midfield. You could say that like, I, I was there was almost that um, the Kelly didn't really have a, a striker, but um, yeah, they, they did. They obviously tried to uh, spring counterattacks when they could, but um, but uh, they, they were they did they deserved their win. I mean, they played a million times better in the way they were trying to play than Rangers did, <laughs> in the way that uh, if if you can work out the way the Rangers were trying to play, um, then uh, then yeah, no, Kamarik uh, deserved to win given given the way the game went and yeah, it's uh, as I said on that that Friday podcast, like the the knives the knives were always going to be out for Beal as soon as uh, a game uh, didn't go the right way, and that's certainly the case. So I've seen several people uh, already wanting him sacked. So that's <laughs> a good start. I don't know if he'll get those 37 games uh, that he says are left um, uh, all himself to, to manage Rangers. But uh, yeah, we shall see. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's, uh, it is the new uh, Dan Pybus, who uh, I think for Dunfermline, was it Dunfermline? He said uh, there's still however many points left to play for. Um, and it transpired that they did not pick up many of those points. Um, but it is, I, I think mm. it's probably important as well just to pick up on um, Kilmarnock um, to a greater extent as well. Because as you mentioned, that, that 
back three of Mayo, Dees and Findlay. I, I can't think of a song that goes as well as Gallagher, Halkett, Lithgow went to magic. Um, but you do wonder <laughs> if Kilmarnock fans mm. will uh, get their thinking caps on and find something to do for the, those three. Yeah, yeah, Dees won. Every long ball that came up, Dees was just, and there were far too many of them from a Rangers perspective, but you know, every, every ball in the air, Dees was just monstering um, Dessers and it was just, yeah, it, it, uh, he, he was excellent. And, and Mayo, a couple of sort of um, you know, covering runs that he made to uh, to intercept some some Rangers attacks were very impressive. And a couple of players to mention as well, Brad Lyons, who obviously got the goal, good finish, mm-hmm. but his the re- I was going to say rejuvenation, but that would that would <laughs> suggest that he was yeah, he was good. In the good. First place. Yeah, all right. So the the revolution of uh, Brad Lyons, the emergence throw, it was something that was just kind of like hanging around the, the squad for a lot of last season. But then like towards the end, he played really well in the last couple of games, scored as well against Ross County, good in that game away at Dundee United. It started well in the League Cup and he was excellent again against Rangers. And the uh, David Watson as well, uh, who is just perfect mm. for this kind of... He's been perfect uh, in yeah. Kelly's midfield ever since he came into it, really. But he's certainly perfect for this type of game where... It's just about getting in the face of the opposition players. You never give the Rangers opponents a minute's yeah. peace. Exceptionally annoying. And in it's obviously a brilliant way if he's your player. But he was just just a wee naff. It was incredibly <laughs> annoying to, to watch. But uh, he, he was very good. So fair play to him. Well, Kilmarnock's next game will be at Tynecastle when they will be taking on Heart of Midlothian, who joined them on the three points mark, the unbeaten mark, after one game as... Uh, Frankie Naismith's boys. Um, I, I don't have a clue anymore. Um, whoever it is that manages it was them. Great, it was great commitment to the bit, by the way, because Frankie McAvoy was on the edge of the touchline the entire game and Stephen Naismith never went near it once. He, he, he did stand five yards further back. It was also clearly issuing instructions. Uh, it's real commitment to the bit and that's what we're here for. Uh, but they also committed to... Uh, Beating St. Johnson, um, as, if that, uh, <laughs> as if that's much of a commitment, let's be honest. They yeah. look absolutely stinking. Um, but yes, it was a, a 2-0 victory uh, for the JTs in the end. Craig, I believe you were at the game. Um, do you want to start with the positives for Hearts, or do you want to uh, stick the boot into um, Stephen McLean St. Johnson first? So I wanted to go in, uh, positive in the last two, but I'm actually going to change this one a little bit and go negative, just because... So I'm quite... On the one hand... I'm quite excited about this Hearts performance and about how the squad is shaping up. I think the early indications, I mean, it's only one game and you can't get carried away. Like I've said this last season when everybody was saying, like, oh, Anthony Stewart's a great signing. And, um, That's what Michael Beagle saying and everyone's been lambasting him all weekend. <laughs> but guys like Frankie Kent look good. Um, Alex Lowry looked excellent off the bench. Uh, Kiyosuke Tagawa looked like a, a really decent option in attack as well. Somebody who's got the pace that Hearts need. Somebody like that that movement of him running through, through the centre where he mm. m- maybe should have done better, although it was a very good save from the St. Johnson keeper. That he brought something off the bench as well. Beningami coming back, Boyce coming back. Boyce, Boyce was excellent after he came off the bench as well. Even Callum Nguyenhoff, he he was the quietest and probably the least impressive of, of the new signings that played in this game. But at the same time, because they're, I still thought it was a strange uh, choice to, to start him in, in the number eight and basically go with three kind of, it's three midfielders. Like he's a, a number six who can also play well as a number eight. Cammy Devlin's a number six who can also play well as a number eight. Peter Harren's a number six who can also play well as a number eight. They basically started three of the kind of different types mm-hmm. in, in terms of what they do. 
but three kind of similar players. And I thought that kind of impacted him. He was quite quiet, but he did have one really good pass. But this is all build up to say, I have no idea really if we are still going to be good. I feel a lot better about our chances now and I think we can be very good. However, St. Johnson are rotten. They, they were really, really bad. And just a lack of anything with that team, man. Like the, they, they were decent at the blocks. But part of that, I think, was down to how bad Hearts were in the first 15 minutes. Hearts just couldn't control the ball or complete a pass. It was just, it was really shocking, and it was kind of like, oh, God, this is going to look like a long season. As soon as Hearts got to grip with the game, St. Johnson just had absolutely nothing. I mean, mm. I know they did have a chance in the second period, which I don't think made the sports scene highlights. Uh, Xander Clark made a... It was from a corner. I think he had to kind of make a point-blank save that was kind of hit right at him. But, you know, if that goes on, maybe it is a bit different. But that was all they done after yeah. the first 15 minutes of the game. And it was just, there's nothing really else to say. It's already been said, because a lot of players that you've already known for last season. Uh, Ulu Funwa, like he only really, the only thing I could really see for him is that he's supposedly, he's got a long throw. Um, the decision to take off uh, Dan Phillips, I thought was absolute pish. Um, mm. All he was really doing was kicking folk and, and sliding about in terms of passing the ball. He'd done nothing. Um, Kami Ballantyne didn't add anything to the game. Graham Carey is not good and uh, in my opinion never really has been other than he, you know, he scored worldies and he's got a very good kind of left foot in terms of crossing and stuff but in, in terms of actual you know gameplay never really seems to add much for me and like I said the decision to take off Dre Wright and bring on uh, Max Kucheravi is that how you're pronouncing it? Yes we Max uh, we Max that was weird because he's like a centre midfielder or he's like kind of like Billy Gilmore light you know he likes to get on the ball dictate things Put him on at right midfield when it is still, I think it was still nil-nil at the time. Uh, yeah, why? Like, what's he going to do out there? That didn't make any sense to me either. They need more up front. They've got nothing going on. They are, a, they are a, it's presently constructed. They are a bad football team. Yeah. Uh, the thing that really speaks volumes to that, and if I was a St. Johnson fan, would be ringing the big alarm bells for me, is the number of St. Johnson fans have seen um, taking comfort in the fact that Dimitar Mitov made a few good saves. He did. That's not good, <laughs> Which though, is Because you still got fine. <clears throat> it's a positive, but if that is the big thing um, from the first league game of the season is our new keeper kept the score to 2-0, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I think he may be making quite a lot of saves this season because Sir Johnson will be facing a lot of shots. So, yes. uh, yeah, I think uh, he is meant to be quite good, so, so I've heard from a Cambridge United fan. But, yeah, they're, they're going to need more than him. Yeah. Uh Hell of a lot more. Um, so no, it's not really looking good for St. Johnson. Um, Fowler, is there anything else that you want to say on Heart of Midlothian Football Club? Um, uh, take the opportunity to up the hubris. I, I probably covered all of it when I was doing that intro to basically get around to saying how bad St. Johnson were. <laughs> uh, Tagawa coming off, or Tagawa, I don't know which of the two is the correct pronunciation. Or, or I did here, and then I just keep switching back between the two because I have uh, pronunciation dyslexia. That uh, he... Hearts really kind of, I felt, we were at our best after he came on. Lowry certainly upped the ante. Lowry came on first and he certainly made things better. Lowry's a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. And um, if he doesn't go very far in the game, it's, he's only got himself to blame. He is incredibly talented. And you can see that already. The, the creative spark after he replaced Alan Forrest. Or wait, the, the Forrest? I can't remember when the subs were made. But anyway, when he came on, like... 
Alan Forrest actually played all right in the first half, I thought, but in the second half, you could just tell, oh, you're, you're trying, and I'm, 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 I'm rooting for you, but you're limited. Alex Lowry is not limited. He's an exceptionally technically good and creative player. But when Tagawa came on, they, they changed the formation from basically a 4-2-3-1 into the, the 4-4-2, or the 4-4-1-1, as you would probably call it, that we saw under Stephen Naismith last season when it was Shanklin and Ginelli at the top. And that was really giving the team the dynamic that's probably been missing all the pre-season because they just haven't had a forward with pace. And then they've got Tagawa. Kenneth Vargas is a similar type of player and he's going to arrive as well. So there's a couple of options there in which to stretch teams. And if Yutaro Oda's just going to start scoring every week because he scored the last Hearts goal of last season when he used first goal um, in the end with Arby against Hibs and done very well to take his goal, then there's just a lot of really good attacking options in that side with a kind of reasonably strong base as well. Oh, the final thing I should add as well is that Natty Atkinson over the course of the match was probably Hart's best player. And he is somebody that has been, I'm going to say rejuvenated because I did, I did think he showed a bit when he first arrived and then his performances really went in the toilet last season and Nielsen just stopped trusting him at all. But he was, he, made, he had a strong finish the last season and undoubtedly in the first half, in the first 60 minutes, he, he was Hart's best player before tiring a wee bit, I would say, towards the end. Well, uh, unfortunately for St. Johnson, they are uh, sitting uh, rock bottom of the league. But there's two teams um, that we're going to discuss next are both above them. How you ask? Well, teams can draw in the Scottish Premiership. And that's what happened at Dens Park uh, as my boys Dundee took on Motherwell uh, in the Cocker Thulis uh, shield. Uh, and we just, I, I think we're just both taking home half a shield. Um, because <laughs> broken, a, you've broken the shield in half. We had to, and uh, we just actually put it out in the rain for just two seconds because it was in Scotland's sunniest city, the most disgusting day of weather I've seen in a long time. Actually, I think since a game against Motherwell when there was about three inches of snow on the pitch. Um, oh, but yeah. the teams uh, fought out on um, the, the Passchendaele pitch uh, that was Dens Park to a uh, one-all draw. Pretty hard-fought game from both sides. Um, naturally, I'm going to concentrate on Dundee, uh, as is my uh, want and prerogative as host. Um, it was a little bit of a shaky moment at the very start when uh, Tony Doors, um, who mm. I was determined to be a cult hero, is going to be out for God knows how long, um, because he seemed to trip um, when he was trying to tackle Connor Wilkinson and went off, uh, which resulted in Jordan McGee slotting into the back three. Um, and uh, Josh Mulligan uh, coming on, and that was the only substitute Dundee made in 90 minutes, um, I think, because uh, Tony Docherty, I think, was just terrified of putting a clean shirt out there. Um, was, on... the, what was weird about that as well is that Kettlebell only made one sub. I hmm. think what it was was that the weather was so bad and the pitch was so bad, it was it was at one point getting quite Hamden-esque with you know, every time the ball landed, you could see it just skating. Hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't holding up so much. It was more that it was just like skating far, far away. Sorry, uh, sorry. Kelly made two changes, but that's the one. You've got five to make. The end. Yeah. 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 Ah, yeah. Um, but but that's, that was actually a weird one as well because he, he, he kind of left the two forwards on the entire game, even though their effectiveness had kind of stopped like yeah. quite early in the second half. Uh, but I suppose it makes sense where it's like, okay, could we change our forwards? Could we bring somebody off the bench, please? Okay, here's Joe Efford. Yeah, um, I mean, oh, it makes sense though. The, the thing is, Craig, you, you laugh. Start with Theo Bear, then you know. Yes, I was going to say you laugh, Craig. I laughed a lot at Theo Bear before this game kicked off, and I was kicking myself on the forty-fourth minute mark when, um, in a game that was, <clears> I mean, for the most part, it was very hard fought. To I say evenly matched sides, sides which were basically doing what they could uh, in the weather that was presented to them. Um, and it was the weather that gave Motherwell a little bit of a helping hand as Lee Ashcroft both misjudged uh, the ball 
and seemed to just lose his footing entirely, um, allowing Motherwell to break through uh, and for, I think it was O'Donnell, um, to slide the ball mm. across to Theo Bear, as I just, <clears throat> I've already said to Graham Thulis, I was really hoping that the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, um, there's a theory that one day it will create a black hole which will consume the Earth, and I was really hoping that that moment was 3.44pm on Saturday <laughs> because I just knew that my phone was going to be lighting up as Theo Bear hit the back of the net. It was... Uh, it was pain like there, there was a lot of oh Gary in the WhatsApp uh, chat it's just oh no I, I I was absolutely devastated but no it was it was a good finish um, I suppose a, a fairly difficult finish I su- I maybe as a player who knows it's a, it's a good finish I suppose I suppose I'm, <laughs> I'm taking lessons from you and uh, post-match bitterness here <laughs> but no um, but yes Fine. Well done, Theo. I hope you're happy with yourself. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Motherwell went in. Uh, Sad little existence. 1-0 yeah. <laughs> to the good. I would say mm. Lyle Cameron didn't have his best game. He did get man of the match, and it was, I think, purely because as a man who stands at 5-2, uh, maybe he scored a back post header um, yeah. to um, ultimately earn Dundee a point, uh, and that came from Beavis Mugabe just forgetting that he was supposed to be marking him, uh, and mm. Lyle Cameron just sort of scuttling away from the penalty spot to the back post. Uh, to head in uh, Luke McCarron's uh, terrific cross uh, to earn us a point. I feel like Luke McCarron was probably Dundee's best player. Um, he's a player that showed up quite well when we were last in the Premiership in amongst a whole load of dreck. Um, I think that one of the positives that I have taken from this game is that if you have a look through who started for Dundee, very few of those players were there pre-Tony Dockery. And there's a good reason for that. I think the, the last uh, couple of times uh, we've gone up to the Premiership, there's been a reliance on who got us there, but typically we've got there sort of by scrabbling around at the last minute with a team that isn't really Premiership standard. This team is quite young. There's not a lot of experience. Luke McCowan is actually one of the oldest players on the pitch uh, for Dundee at 25. Uh, I think we had maybe six players under the age of 21 uh, starting, which is a little bit of a mad uh, approach to take, but it seems to work. And generally speaking, I think that what Tony Dockery has done is he's actually been quietly ruthless. There's a lot of players who still got handed two-year contracts who you're not even seeing coming off the bench for Dundee. Um, and he's still talking about bringing in another couple of players, certainly in the mid- middle of the park. And I think even another couple over and above that. And I think you're going to see a lot of the players that have been at Dundee for a while go out on loan. Uh, I think Sean Byrne's going to end up in the championship um, before the end of the month. So it looks as if Dundee's squad has got the overhaul it really should have had the last time um, that we came up and hopefully um, all we need is one other team to join St. Johnson being utterly rubbish um, and we can maybe relax and enjoy life just Mm. a little bit. Um, From a Motherwell point of view, Theo Bear looked, he scored uh, I'm I'm going to try and not be too bitter about it. (laughs) If Motherwell needs somebody up top, who is basically just there to get the ball. And he was attempting a lot of, I don't know if it is scorpion kicks, um, but he had this very strange way of, so usually if the ball's played up to a target man, he'll gather it in and then wait and then redistribute it. Mm. But he kept essentially karate kicking the ball in midair to somebody. And he was doing it with some aplomb, it must be said. Um, But it was the the strangest way of playing football um, that I've seen in quite some time. Um, But he looked quite good. I thought Connor Wilkinson actually looked a lot more mobile and athletic than I was expecting as well. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. 
Um, so he looked quite strong. Lennon Miller could have won the game at the very end, um, but uh, Joe Shaughnessy put his head in the way of what was undoubtedly a goal-bound shot. Uh, I should also say Joe Shaughnessy showed me what a central defender actually should do, um, which was a <laughs> revelation for me as a Dundee fan. I was like, wow, so this is what happens when you've got someone who just quietly and neatly goes about his business, tidies up at the back and covers for other people's mistakes. Incredible. Mm. This is what I've been missing all these years. Um, but no, I thought Lennon Miller looked good. Um of Motherwell's other recruits, Papa Suare. Yeah, that's, that's, um, a, that's a problem when, when I think Motherwell have got this season. Kettlewell seems pretty set on, on sticking with the 3-5-2 the that worked very well towards the end of last season, and that's fair enough. However, in order for that system to work, a lot of the time you need really good wing-backs. And so Max Johnson, obviously, mm-hmm. excellent last season. Stephen O'Donnell's getting up in age. He's not been... I think O'Donnell was fine in this game, but he's getting on a bit, and he's, he's obviously not been that great the last couple of seasons. He did start to play well under Kettlewell towards the end of last season, and there still might be more to come for him. But Suari didn't really look like the type of player that you'd expect to really kind of do that for Motherwell on the other side. And behind them, they've only really got Paul McGinn, who used to be a kind of wing-back-esque player, but it's more now kind of more suited to either being just a right-back or like a right-sided centre-back. So they could really do be recruiting a bit more there to give themselves a bit more something. Uh, you did talk about, um, what's his name? Oh, Lennon Miller looking very composed in the ball. Mm. I think they're probably Motherwell's best three players with their midfield three. Cam mm. Slattery looked back to his best after a fairly meh. Uh, 2022-23 campaign and Blair Spittle looks like that um, kind of purple patchy hand under Kettlewell towards the end of last season is going to continue. Yeah. Uh, and I will say Nathan McGinley I, I don't think he's going to uh, resurrect <laughs> his mother career anytime soon. Um, the yeah. only thing of note that he did was essentially pulling back Luke McCarron to prevent a breakaway attack mm. but he, um, he did not really impress me. I think both sides towards the end Motherwell had a, a couple of chances towards the end where they could have snuck the win, but I think a draw was probably a fair result, and it's probably what both managers were quite happy to take away uh, for Kettlewell. It's a point away from home, uh, something to build on in future weeks. I think for Dundee, if we had lost to a Theo Bear um, <laughs> goal on the stroke of half time, I'd be worrying that we were going to Dundee it again. Um, but uh, I, I have hope, and hope is a dangerous, dangerous thing to have. Um not as dangerous, it seems, as uh, Celtic's uh, ability to uh, pull goals out of nowhere, um, which mm. they did against Ross County in the opening game of the Cinch Premiership season. It was a 4-2 victory for Celtic. A fairly dominant first half uh, performance uh, gave way to shades of oddness, maybe, in the second mm. half. Um, and I think that there's probably um, going well, to be a little bit of an ongoing saga yeah. with Joe Hart. Mm. They started... Uh, remarkably badly Celtic yeah. <laughs> and Ross County started uh, very very well and could have been 2-0 up, 3-0 up maybe before Celtic woke up um, which was uh, was odd but then yeah, when Celtic woke up it was you know, they just obviously made chance after chance after chance and, and got comfortable in the game but, but yeah I think, I think Joe Hart and, uh, and Brendan Rodgers will not be long for this world unfortunately because if uh, anyone's going to have any chance this season, I think it would be uh, against Celtic. I think it would be with uh, Joe Hart and goals. And yeah, I, I thought before the season started, I had the suspicion that Brendan Rodgers would think he's too good for Joe Hart because Pep Guardiola thought that 
and Brendan Rodgers thinks he's probably of a level for Guardiola, so why should he be slumming out with Joe Hart? And uh, I, I don't think anything in Joe Hart's performance on Saturday will have dissuaded him from that notion. So, unfortunately, I think Celtic will sign a goalkeeper that is better than Joe Hart, and uh, I think Joe Hart might, might leave, but... Um, that would be a shocker, you... shocker for my fantasy team, Ewan. <laughs> well, my fantasy team's got off to... Uh, Starfelt's already away, uh, signed him, and uh, and my star midfielder, Josh Campbell, got subbed after 28 minutes, so <laughs> an auspicious start for, uh, for my boys. I also had Desters as captain. But anyway, um, but yeah, did you think it was a penalty for the uh, when Murray sort of yes. got tripped? Yeah. He <laughs> um, basically Murray just made the, worst, the world's worst attempt at a dive when he didn't need to have if he'd just fallen down, like, naturally, I think he would have got a penalty. But instead, yeah. he, like, kept going and then fell like, very awkwardly. But uh, yeah, yeah. I actually saw somebody on one of the forums describe it as Simon Murray is feeling a bit of contact and then going down 10 yards later. Yeah. And I, I felt, I was like, I actually thought that'll be an exaggeration. No, it's actually no, not. No, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it was, uh, I mean, if he goes down as soon as the, there's contact, then that's a penalty. Um, and Hart's probably. I don't know if it would have been sent off because uh, he could probably claim nah, the rest was shit at yeah. so it would have been but yeah I, uh, <laughs> I thought that, that was pretty awkward and, and, you know, and Murray had a good chance um, you know, before that as well but the, the Carter Vickers blocked so it was um, yeah very very odd start and then so it was quite an adventurous team that uh, that Mackay picked I thought um, like Danda was sort of almost playing as a wing back he was certainly yeah. playing off the uh, you know, off off the left. Um, Connor Randall in the middle of the park is a bit odd. Yeah, because then they actually have midfielders. Although Connor Randall, when he originally was brought to Scottish football by Hearts, he was originally signed as a midfielder, yeah, which probably. is one of the many reasons why Ian Cathro's tenure as Hearts manager made absolutely <laughs> no fucking sense whatsoever. When you mm. remember the style of football that Ian Cathro wanted to play, and so he signed somebody who can't really play football. Yeah, Conor Randall's all his uses, but he's very much his uses are the fact that he will run up and down that wing all fucking day long. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's not really much else to him. But I suppose that's why you maybe start him in the centre of the park at Celtic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And I think, I, I don't know if he, he moved Dan. He wanted Dan out on the left because Celtic's weak point, if it's not Joe Hart at the moment, is probably Anthony Ralston, um, who I thought didn't play particularly well. And I don't think he's played. I, mean, I think he's, he's he's been injured as well, but he, he was the one to me that looked the most like he was still trying to play in the Postacoglu system. Um, and the Postacoglu system made them good. And yes, every other, exactly. type, of, <laughs> every other <laughs> type of football has made them shit. <laughs> I don't care what you're telling me, Brendan. Uh, this is the only way I've ever looked competent, so I'm going to keep on playing this way, thank you. Um, yeah, I just didn't think he... I, well, I don't think he'll be I, I don't think he'll be good um, under under Rodgers. And I think, obviously, when Johnson's fit, he'll come in, so probably won't impact Celtic that much. But, um, but yeah, I, I felt that was why... Uh, yeah, that probably why Mackay sort of stationed Dan out there because he thought, well, that's probably getting the most joy, and, and Dan is probably um, uh, Ross County's best creative player. So, 
So yeah, um, but uh, David Turnbull obviously played well, uh, especially first half. They you know they just started to um, to go up the gears. Eventually, Celtic and uh, you know, the, the Turnbull um, took his, his second goal pretty well. Uh, uh, Ashi's goal was was a nice move that Turnbull was involved in, and um, Abada uh, they picked out Fudashi and yeah, they looked. Um, I also thought Yang looked quite bright when he came on, and and home um, looks decent as well. It's, it's obviously, I mean, Celtic, you know, in a completely different spot to to Rangers in many respects, but it was it was very much, uh, you know, continuity. There was only one new signing, uh, I think, that started in in the Rocky, who got out jumped by Jordan White, but Jordan White is you know incredible against the old firm, so probably no shame in that. Um, he looks quicker on the ball than, than Carl Starfelt, which mm-hmm. may be helping the Rogers system. Carl yes. could always be very... He'd just hold on to the ball for ages, wouldn't he? he just didn't yeah. really... I mean, yeah. as a Celtic player, you've kind of got that ability because like nobody's really putting that much pressure on you when you're the centre-half. But mm-hmm. he did used to take his sweet time. And he this uh, Noroki looks like he's going to be a bit more decisive. Yes, yeah, and I think that'll be important actually in in the Rogers system because I think he'll be more reliant on the centre halves being able to play than Postecoglou was, just in the, in the you know, because the, there won't be the inverted fullbacks um, doing that. I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the, there'll be a bit more onus on the on the centre halves, which I think Carter Vickers could uh, you know will be able to cope with, and I think Starfelt wouldn't have been as adept at, but he looks like he's away anyway. Um, so, but yeah, obviously Celt- you know, Celtic are in the position where they can just sort of, well, so far, I think most of their signings would appear to be sort of squad options, but they can afford to put these guys in and, and they'll all be um, probably pretty talented. Um, and it's just, you know, they, they don't have to, to lump them all in straight away, whereas Rangers have, have had to do the completely uh, opposite to disastrous effects so far. So, so yeah, um, they were, I mean, Celtic were, I, I think you could go as far to say bad at the back. They were they were, they were really quite bad defensively, um, and it didn't matter in this game. Uh, you know, we, we will go on to speak about their opponents next week, but that's obviously a sterner test. But I wouldn't be massively concerned if I was still to come. Although uh, I think it's also important to pick up, and I know you already did, on David Turnbull's reemergence into Celtic as a uh, as a starting option. Obviously, Brendan Rogers was talking him up. I think earlier in the week, and there was a lot of discussion before the game whether or not he would uh, start the game. He started in place of Rio Hatate, Um and it looks as if it's, in many ways, obviously he's the the man on penalties as well. Mm-hmm. And if we're looking for a positive view, because I know that uh, you uh, probably won't be particularly positive about <laughs> Celtic no. discovering yet another strong midfield option, it's a good thing for Scotland, surely, and um, for David Turnbull to be mm. back, even though uh, we are pretty stacked in uh, in that area of the park, anyway. Uh, I think it's just a good thing for those who like David Turnbull, and that, that I would put myself under that. If, if Rogers, if Celtic are going to be a success under Rogers, which I'd, um, no doubt they will be, then that's not great because I don't like Celtic, same as I don't like Rangers. Uh, but if they are going to be good and dominant and win everything, then it would be really nice if David Turnbull was a, a centerpiece of that team. Because I mean, it's hard to criticise Postecoglou because Celtic were, you know, all empowering and their midfield was arguably the strongest part of their team. However, I just really like David Turnbull as a player and, and want him to do well. And it was a shame to see him get so marginalised. And he really didn't look happy in the Postecoglou team either. There was, there was some fans picking up on the fact that he, he celebrated his goal, especially single. He kind of 
a bit of gusto, and that's was it really turbo style under under Postecoglou? Because I think he was just always annoyed that he was not playing very often. Yes. Uh, final word on just one quick thing on Ross County. I thought that they did look a bit more. Looked a bit more aggressive, I think, than they did last mm. season. And um, looked a bit more up for the fight. They, they, at times in the last campaign, they did look a bit weak-willed, and they maybe got a bit more, a bit more that kind of strength about them. However, the defense—I know they're playing Celtic, and it's it's very easy to concede four goals against Celtic. But the defense still looks a bit ropey, and Jack Baldwin's 2023 doesn't look like it's going to get any better. <laughs> I, I did think it was uh, an interesting quote from Malky Mackay after it. I think he said something, if it was a European team or an international team, play, well, I don't know why Celtic would be playing an international team, but that's what he said. Uh, <laughs> if it was a European team or an international team playing Celtic, you know, then we would have been 2-0 up uh, after the you know, five minutes or whatever he said. And then but, you know, and then he went on to say something like, well, but you know, we're Ross County. And I, and I felt that was dripping in. It's like, I should be managing a European or international team, but unfortunately, <laughs> there are reasons that I am not, and I'm stuck, uh, you know, slubbing it at Ross County. But you know, if a European or international team turned up and wanted to give me a job, then I could steer them to a two-nil victory over Celtic. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I think he still has ideas above his, his station, Malky. Oh, well, uh, moving uh, swiftly on, and not for that long, probably. Um, obviously, we are the podcast that talks up Scottish football, um, but it's difficult to do that in a game with seven yellow cards and two shots on target. Um, we'll do our best. Livingston, no. Aberdeen, no. Um, Aberdeen's uh, new centre-back looks like he's going to pick up quite a few uh, he, he, cards, doesn't he? He takes, he takes bodies. He takes bodies. I was, uh, I was texting my mate, who's an Aberdeen fan, who's at the game, and uh, I, I said to him about it was five ten minutes, and I was like, "Your your new boy Rubisic is is uh, going to get booked every single week." And then it was like five minutes later, that was his first one, um, which was on as a borderline. You know, it, it got VAR reviewed, uh, and uh, yeah, it's one of the few tackles I would say that gets VAR reviewed. I, I didn't actually think it was a red card this time, but um, it was certainly. Uh, I mean, he sort of intentionally um, studded uh, a, a guy in the in it was to Guthrie, I think it was in the in the ankle. Um, and yeah, he is. I mean, you know, we, we don't encourage gambling on this podcast at all, of course. But if, and I don't know what the odds are, but I would be astonished if uh, Rubisic does not get booked next week playing Celtic. So, whatever the odds are, uh, you know, I, I, I would take them because he, <laughs> he, is, he really, uh, he's he's uh, committed. You could say. Um, and and he did win a lot of challenges, and you know I, I don't think he's he's necessarily a, a bad player, but he he will go for everything. You know, it may just be sort of regional stereotyping, but he reminded me a wee bit of um, Nico Katic, uh, you know, the formerly of Rangers, in that he, he will go for absolutely everything, even things that he really shouldn't go for and will not win. Um, and he will he will make contact with something if it's not the ball. Um, but so so it'll be I think it'll be it'll be interesting. To see how he gets on when he actually has other centre halves beside him, because they start Aberdeen started with the back three of, of Nicky Devlin, uh, Rubzic, and Jack McKenzie, uh, yeah, and then you know he's he's the only real centre half, obviously of those uh, of those three. So I wonder you know, when when McDonald's back in the team. I think McDonald had um, I think his partner had a, a baby on Friday, so that was why he missed the game. So I think when once McDonald's back in the the team, I wonder if having sort of an older head to sort of maybe 
tell him not to go for absolutely everything, then uh, you know that might be to his uh, uh, his benefit. But but no, he, he's not he's not a bad footballer. But uh, yeah, I I mean he, the challenge on Bruce Anderson, I, I think that's a really nasty one. Again, is it a yellow card? Billy Miller thought uh, thought it was on the radio, um, and I I. Didn't, again, I thought that would be a pretty harsh yellow, but at the same time, he knows exactly what he's doing. He really does know what he's doing, and he's just clattered into the back of Anderson, and it's you know it's really dangerous. So, so yeah, he's uh, he, he's one to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, otherwise in the game, uh, yeah, there were huge uh, parts of this game went by without any goal mouth incident whatsoever. Um, uh, from Aberdeen perspective, again, Dante Pavara played. It's been a bit of hype about him in preseason. Uh, I I thought he looked okay. I mean, I, th- I thought I thought sort of last season when he was uh, you know, he started and he looked like he'd never really played professional football before. I'm not <laughs> sure he had, <laughs> um, you know, because he was like a college player and it, it really it looked like that. He he didn't stick out. I I didn't think he stood out, but that's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, that's improvement for me. They he looked sort of you know he just he just looked. It looked um, like he belonged, but it was, exactly, belonging, yeah. in a, it was yeah. belonging in a team that didn't play very well. Yes, exactly, uh, exactly, yeah. Because I, I think some Aberdeen, you know, I think he's got to this sort of stage where Aberdeen fans are sort of watching every single move and anything he does remotely positive is getting sort of uh, you know, hyped up beyond belief. Um, I think Johnny Hayes said midweek that you know, if they were having like a five aside game and training, Povara would be his first pick, um, and people got a bit excited about that. But yeah, I, I didn't see much evidence that he's going to be fantastic this season by any means but I would expect some improvement and, and yeah he's already certainly kicked on um, from from what he looked like sort of this time last season um, Is there much to say about Livingston? Because uh, obviously they were a yeah, side that yeah, quite a, a lot yeah. of people were picking them to be a side that would struggle I, yeah, I think I, this season I want to cover this, I think that Livy I've I always think I've always had a feeling that Livy were going to be fine this season and yeah it's only one game, it's a long way to go but I think that's backed up that feeling that yeah, there was a bit of bad vibes around the club towards the end of last season and Martindale kind of seems like he does want to go and they are struggling for cash and they've got a tightened budget. But I think that's... But at the end of the day, Martindale's still not wanting to get this team to get relegated because he knows he's not going to go anywhere, if that's the case. So he's still going to be committed to trying to make this team as, as competitive as possible. And I think that... I think the, the, the struggles they're facing financially and the fact that they can't bring in many players or many players of, of quality that they might want is maybe created a bit of a siege mentality because it kind of looked like Livingston of oh, the stereotype of Livingston. Like they were they were excelling in the dark arts. They hunted the ball in packs. They were really aggressive in, in how they, they tried to get second balls. And I wonder if that's going to be the, the kind of perfect tonic to the fact that they, they do have, they will have the, the, the smallest budget in the league and will probably struggle for a lot of it, but they will, Martindale will have them well organised, they'll be up for the fight and that this is probably the type of game they'll try to do all season and mm. Mikey Devlin and Obelai, uh, they both look very good in this game and yeah. as well actually, he was maybe even their best player because he had the job of marking Duke and yeah. completely marked him out of the game. Mm-hmm. Even like some of the really unpopular decisions before the match with the fans in terms of Guthrie being preferred to Anderson Guthrie played quite well. He, he worked hard. He done a lot of running. He, he basically annoyed the Aberdeen defenders a lot of the time. He's not going to have a particularly great season. But again, this is the the type of showing that if Livingston can just get for guys who are just a pain in the arse to play against, then mm-hmm. they'll probably do enough to to finish at least tenth. Yeah, and on I thought that St. Note Gary of... looked um, looked 
talented as well. Sorry. I would say. Like Singari, I thought looked looked decent. Oh yeah, so I was just laughing at you, uh, and you stepping over Gary's outro, and then Gary looking absolutely. <laughs> oh, sorry. To be sorry, fair, I want to talk a wee bit more about Aberdeen as well because this does seem to be a lack of creativity in that team, and also it's funny how quickly mm-hmm. things change and perceptions change. So for a lot of the summer, it was like Hearts aren't signing anybody. What the fuck, Hearts need players. The management situation, blah blah. Aberdeen, they're getting players in, they're mm-hmm. doing business, Aberdeen look really strong and they're getting loads of money for the guys that they're, they're selling guys, but they're getting loads of money for it. They've got loads of money. Probably, I, I think what they sold McCrory for and Ramadani, I think they've done very well to get those fees yeah. for those players. And so there's a lot of cash coming in and so Aberdeen will spend more money, I think, before this window is up. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, they are lacking a bit. They only made one change in this game and that was yeah. to bring on uh, Sokler. Uh, but there wasn't really anything in terms of Robinson doing to try and change things, and they just didn't have, with Duke providing nothing, there just seemed to be nobody in the team that was going to create for them, Mm. and that's going to be an issue, because especially they're a team that generally like to play a bit defensively, and if if Duke's not going to be on it, and and you never know, I mean, Duke, if he plays like he did last season, Aberdeen will be fine, but we don't know, he might get better, he might get worse. We see it all the time. Players come and have a great season and if they're maybe starting to think, oh, maybe I would like a move elsewhere or or maybe they're just, you know, were riding the crest of a wave last season, then they're, they're certainly... Hmm. I think Aberdeen fans are a lot less confident after week one than they would have been beforehand, but with the caveat that they will go spend more money and if they yeah. do it well, then Aberdeen should still be good this season. Um, but uh, we've seen it so many times with Scottish teams when they get money. They don't always spend it wisely. Just ask okay. uh, Hibs fans after they sold their golden generation. Like a mule with a spinning wheel. <laughs> and we're like three men at the end of a podcast, because that's what we are. <laughs> um, we uh, That's the end of this uh, weekend's action. Um, but of course, this is not the last thing you'll be hearing uh, from the Terrace podcast this week, particularly if you subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, there will be a number of pods going up on the Patreon and correct me if I'm wrong, Fowler, but is the lower league weekend uh, show this midweek, is that going to be main show or Patreon with Telfer and Sean? That'll be a main show. That'll be a main show. But they are doing um, a pa- I've asked them if they can do a Patreon as well. So it'll be something bonus lower league related. And that's not enough to wet your whistle. I don't know what is. I mean, their six-hour podcast last week, um, I just double-checked, it is only 45 minutes shorter than if you wanted to listen to the entirety of Treasure Island by Robert Lewis Stevenson. Yeah. Uh, and what's What's a better use of your time? Finding out about Animal Athletics and Clyde. I'd rather listen to Telford and Sean than listen to that. I'd actually really like to listen to Telford and Sean read uh, Treasure Island. Um, I've I've still got two hours and ten minutes to listen to that podcast. Uh, I've still got about five hours. um, Mm. Doing it in in bits and bobs. Um, But that's the best way to do it um, because I'll eventually come to some prediction in maybe October time (laughs) about, say, East Fife, which is entirely wrong. Um, I did did have a wee chuckle earlier because I'd I'd just been listening. So I checked the scores on Saturday night in the lower leagues, but I had had a few drinks. I couldn't really remember a lot. I remembered some, I couldn't remember a lot of them. So I rechecked them again and then I'd just been listening to them going on about that guy at Kelty Hearts and and Sean saying in every single game he will will either have a goal or assist or he will be an absolute nightmare for the opposing defence. Kelly won. He was taken off after 60 minutes. <laughs> he was the first player something. <laughs> Did they not also say that our growth were going to be, like, that weren't as bad as everyone uh, said they were going to be? And then... Hmm. 
Which is probably everyone, right? everyone would have listened to as well because it was like the first to thing. To be fair to them, in six hours you, you're not going to get everything right. <laughs> if you speak for six hours, it's you, literally impossible to get everything right. No, that's true. That's true. It was just funny that's that was reading, one of the, reading one out of the first from things. the big book of facts. <laughs> but yes, if, if you've not listened to that show yet, do download it. It's the I would say the compendium of everything that you need yes. to know about the lower leagues, uh, and also just a, a handy way to uh, keep track of. of uh, Sean's incorrect uh, predictions as well, uh, which is always mildly amusing. But there will be more to come, um, not from the three of us, but from others certainly. So until then, thank you for listening and enjoy the start of this season's 2023-2024 football season. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.